and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. So Saul, you and I were talking earlier about how we haven't been to our gardens a lot over the weekend, but things are really starting to move now. Yeah, it's amazing. I went I went in this morning and the greenhouse, the seedlings in the greenhouse had put on lots of true leaves. Things like the celeriac, which takes is is takes forever to get up to a bigger plant, had just started putting on true seed leaves and, and the whole thing's shifting. It's as if it knew that British summertime had started on so, uh, sun, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, and they thought, right, yeah. now's the time to kick into high gear because there's more, there's more light than there is darkness. Yeah, exactly. I haven't been to the garden today. Jade, the apprentice, goes on the Monday, and so I'm going to be going in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday of this week. Um, but I do know that there are other people that are having more difficult weeks when it comes to working in the garden, and um, we we saw some some news on Twitter tonight, didn't we? That was not particularly. Um, uplifting. Yeah, unfortunately, a bit of a, a bit of a down day for me. Towards the end, I, I learned that my ex trainee, who'd only just started, uh, le- left us at the start end of February, started a new job at the start of March. Unfortunately, had lost her her job. Uh, she wasn't there long enough for them to consider her for the government um, furlough grant. So she lost a job, which was uh, a bit of a kick in the teeth for us because she's an amazing. Uh, apprentice of ours and we really had good hopes for her going into this new job and I know she loved it um yeah really really quite a a, a, another sobering moment in a load of sobering moments that have happened during this crisis Mm. and it just made me think about all the other gardeners nursery folk uh you know all the people that are involved in horticulture and I really hope that if you are having a hard time if you've lost your job or if things aren't going well uh, that you can reach out to people, reach out to us on Twitter. We're quite happy to chat to you. But there is a, a national charity I just wanted to highlight called uh, Perennial. Um, uh, they're a charity uh, that look after uh, gardeners who are going through hard times, whether it is financially or personally. Um, look them up on the internet. They have a helpline. Uh, they're always there to help. Uh, if it's just advice you want, I know they also do hardship grants as well. So if you need some money to tie you over, they can probably help you out of that. Uh, and I will say to anyone who's listening, please check out Perennial, because at times like these, it's charities like that that we really need. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I echo your sentiments entirely that if people are finding themselves at the moment not in a job, then our, our hearts and thoughts really are with you because it adds another level of stress and anxiety onto what is already not a great situation so honestly we are really really thinking of you guys and we're what we're hoping to do now is maybe transform transfer you sorry into 10 minutes of of happy thoughts and joy because 
um, we thought today we'd, we'd maybe reminisce and talk about the gardens that are really, really close to our hearts. We talk about Stonelands and we talk about East London a lot. So we thought, why not let's have a look outside the walls of those gardens and, and talk about some others. And I know, saw that when you came to visit myself and Ian, um, oh, when, when was it? That was a few months ago now. It was, no, it was November last November. year, just at the end of uh, autumn. Yeah, and yeah. there was a garden that I wanted to show you. And uh, funnily enough, this shows how joined at the hip with jute twine we are you also requested to go to this particular garden and uh, i was very very happy to show you around and i'm talking about the garden very close geographically to me as well which is beth chateau's just down the road oh, out of market and um obviously a very well-renowned plants lady uh, uh her philosophy of the right plant for the right place is was her mantra and so she's got this lovely garden in Essex as I say it's just in Elmstead Market not very far away from me well from my parents actually it's about a mile down the road from my my parents house um she has uh, a, a very beautiful gravel garden there which is if you wanted a low maintenance garden and you're not quite sure what to what to do then I think if you could even at the moment especially google uh, the Beth Chateau Gravel Garden, have a look at the images there, you would be so inspired. There's all sorts of plants. There's there's perennial poppies, there's creeping thymes, there's lovely grasses, there's an awful lot of uh, things like tamarix and, and eucalyptus trees as well that are very, very resilient in dry conditions. And it's just a, a lovely bill billowing waft, waft of a garden. It's very, um, very romantic and not at all formal, is it? It's it's a really it's a really interesting space because it's the kind of garden you don't see everywhere mm. else you know your conditions in Essex you're quite dry we are um, very dry no notably maybe maybe not this winter so much but um generally quite dry and, and as a garden it was quite amazing well, and do you know what amazed me about it the most is that you don't have to pay to go and see the gravel garden at Beth Chateau no, you don't you literally just walk into um near the visitor centres and the gravel gardens there. And it's not a small garden either. Uh, you know, some gardens that you go and you pay for are smaller yeah. than that garden. Yeah. And yeah, it was an inspirational planting. Unfortunately, I, I think we went at just the, the wrong time, just towards the end uh, of it looking at its best. Um, so the, the, the part of the garden for me, and, and obviously I'd wanted to see Beth Chateau's for a long time. You know, we're looking at 20 years. Beth Chateau obviously has that, that reputation um, from when I was a student, uh, being the, the, this ultimate plants woman, but the garden I really wanted to see was her her woodland garden mm. that is built round those um, pond lakes that she has. And I must say, um, you know, you, you you hear of gardens with a reputation like Beth Chateau's, and sometimes you go to them, and sometimes they're disappointing or or or, or they don't live up to expectations. Beth Chatter one of those gardens that actually went beyond my already high expectations because um, it was the feel. And I always say this to people. Um, there are plant collections like mine at home, and I love looking at plants and you can get very scientific about them. But there are gardens around the world that have the feel, the feel of and the sense of place that is built up of both the way it's designed, the use of plants, the, the, the actual garden spirit uh to use a to use a better word word where you feel just um sort of cocooned within a space that makes you feel right yeah, yeah. in some ways and beth chateau the woodland garden just walking when we walked down from one end to the other you just felt 
like this is a proper garden. Yeah, I think the, the the topography of the garden itself really lends its. You mentioned the word you felt like sort of wrapped and cocooned within the garden. The the, mm. the the garden itself is um it's on a clay soil in Essex. We do have a a really lovely lot of clay, but there's also patches of gravel in there as well. I know um, when my parents dug the foundations for their house just down the road from Beth Chateau's, we had this orange sticky clay. I know there's photographs of me as a young girl making pots out of this um out of this clay because it was so so um rock solid and then um another few miles down the road from my parents is is the gravel works so the the soil in that region of Essex is very very chalk and cheese you've got like i say gravel you've got sticky clay you've got pockets of all sorts of that within and within Beth's garden you've got you've got a, a say a bowl along the base of the bowl there's a running a, a lovely stream which connects all the the zones of the garden together there's um, little rills and uh, pools that she's created and then you've got a narrow, narrow stream and then a large pond section. It, it adds a lot of flow and movement to the garden. And then within that bowl, there's very, very, very cleverly planted, um, obviously lots of perennials that she's very famous for, but also shrubs and trees as well that, mm. as you say, cocoon you. You do feel... You're... Yeah, the use of trees is amazing, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they've got a lot of maturity to them because she's obviously been in that in that garden for decades. So they really have got that structure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you ent- entirely in that you, I think... What what it is about that garden is that you get what she was trying to do in the because you can feel you like you say you actually feel this it's a tangible um, sensation when you when you stand by a bed and you've got some other beds around you you can you get what they're all trying to do collectively and it's very very mm. that is a real plants person skill I think that li- liking an individual. Um, genus, for example, if you're a national collection holder, is one thing, and you know, like me, growing fruit and veg um, is is another. But if you can actually then link the plants together and design them really, really well, but also grow the right plants as well, not just do things for looks, but know that they're going to be successful. That's the whole package, isn't it? Surely. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and talking about someone with a vision and uh, being a very clever plantsman and the use of plants, that leads on to my uh, inspirational garden, which has played a big part in my development of me and my thoughts as a gardener, which is the garden house, which is uh, literally just a few miles um, into Dartmoor from Plymouth, uh, just on the outskirts of the town of Yelverton. Um, I uh, and I took you there earlier in the year, mm-hmm. so you did. It was uh, lovely. You, you, yeah, you've been there as well. But that was um, as a garden's been there for quite a, uh, about fifty years. Um, it's now um, within a trust. But the main focus, or the sorry, the main person that's been involved in the development of that garden, his name is Keith Wiley, uh, and Keith has been an um, uh, an absolute influence on my career and my thoughts on plants. Uh, he's a very keen woodland. Uh, gardener but he also has this um, what he calls the sort of new naturalist movement which is taking plant communities and the way plants would grow in the wild and translating that into uh, into a cultivated setting so a lot of his gardens and the garden house is a is a great example he also has a new garden called Wildside, which funny enough is only a mile down the road from the garden house are all based on plant communities and bringing things together to make them look effortless as they go through the landscape um 
So the garden house is sort of in two halves and it's got a woodland garden, but it's also uh, also got a walled garden, which is a little bit more formal. Um, now, the garden house has a place in my heart because it's one of the first gardens I applied for when I first knew I wanted to be a gardener and I had no experience. So I'd never, ever got anywhere with it. And I always remind them that they could have had me all that <laughs> Look, way back. The, the one that got away. <laughs> the one that got oh. away. But um, I've been going every year, probably two or three times a year, just to just to keep that focus on the kind of planting that I love to and see. And just to remind them um, of the mistake that they made every single time. Yeah, I don't blame you. When we went, it was January, wasn't it? And the snowdrops were flowering because they had a um, a lovely snowdrop collection there. But it's simultaneously... Yeah, that's... um. That, so after Keith, another head gardener came called Matt Bishop. And Matt Bishop's a massive galanthophile. Well, he's an expert on snowdrops. Yeah, yeah. and the so the, the snowdrops were flowering and also the Daphne. There were various different Daphne's flowering, which were the scent heavy in the air was was absolutely delicious. And there was also, do you remember the, the species of that um, camellia, the small flower camellia? Oh I yes, um, was... I can never say it right. It's um, tecanensis. T- we'll uh, we'll tweet it. We'll tweet it. it. Don't worry. We'll tweet yeah, it after the podcast. It's a long old we, name. We, we, well, it's, that camellia. That camellia, I I was really taken with, and I do remember photographing it and thinking, one day I am going to have that in my garden it really it's got very dainty and petite most camellias are very showy in your face big blossoms with with the oozing colors hot pinks and jazzy really punchy stuff this was just such a dainty contrast it was it was something i would not seen before and i was really really taken with that and really snow white petals and the nice thing about it they don't really get touched by the frost so much mm. so you don't get this thing that happens with the camellias where everything turns to mush and it looks horrible after a while you get this pure white look to it um and, and i think the thing about the garden house is on top of it being a beautiful garden with that spirit of place it is also a plantsman's um garden very much like beth chateau keith is a big plantsman and you can tell that the plants he selected are very select things so just walking around not just enjoying the garden as a, as a plantsman, you can also just enjoy the different plants, like you've described that camellia. But there's um, there's an umbrella um, uh, plant in the middle of the garden, um, a chefrella, which completely got me obsessed you hugged with that. Aureliaceae, the family. <laughs> I do. You yes, did. That true. was your hugger. That was your hugger, in... wasn't it? You wanted to stroke that a there's, lot. You know, there's various plants in various gardens which I've known for 20, 30 years. And I go and see them every year. And I know this sounds really weird, but I go and see them every year just to say hello no, that, and how are they that doing. That does sound weird, actually. And there's a... <laughs> Cheers. I have a personal relationship with a lot Stop of these Stop talking now, people. <laughs> no, I do, no, I'm joking. I do know what you mean. I honestly do know what you mean. Um, the first time I hugged a big tree was when I was working at, at Wisley Gardens and we did a tour of Storehead. Oh, my God. And uh, my boss at the time, Guy Bart, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning this, but he introduced me to tree hugging. And it is a very pleasant experience and I can thoroughly recommend taking that activity up at the moment. I, I think having just having a relationship with a plant that you know is going to be there all your life gives you a bit of solidity, doesn't it? It gives you something to, I don't know, something to focus on, something that makes you, every time you go back to that garden, gives you something to look forward to, an old friend. It's like seeing an old friend in yeah, some well, ways. Yeah, you know, if you took me back to that garden, what the one plant I would like to go back to, and I make a beeline for it, was the wisteria that was trained up those metal 
um, circles. It was like an umbrella, it was wasn't stun- it? It was like an incredible. Umbrella. Yeah. And again, I would love to have something like that in my own garden. It was, a, like you say, a metal framework, a small circle about head height, and then going up was a much wider circle. And then they got arching posts of carrying the whole thing together. And they trained a wisteria up through the centre of that and then all cascading down the side. I so would love to see that in flower. I really, really would. So if we still are in lockdown... I'll, I'll try and get a... Well, actually, it won't be this year. If, if anyone listening can get a photograph of that to us, I would be so grateful. Because in my mind, I imagine it's going to look spectacular. No, it does. It does. And, and to be honest, yeah, there's a wisteria on the bridge there as well that looks amazing. So I think if um, if anyone has a garden that's really dear to their heart or some plants in their garden, please let us know. Let us yeah. know. Get a hold of us on Twitter. We'd love to hear about people's favourite gardens. Um and, you know, once we get out of this whole period within, hopefully we can go back and visit our favourite gardens again. Yeah. And in the meantime, if people on social media, as you've been doing with your Twitter account, would, would are able to share these gardens via the power of a short video, it is going to lift our spirits no end. So please do do that. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture. They have been drastically affected and we hope that life will return and like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.